0: Hello my little trivia treasures. How are you feeling? Grounded? Centered? Good, because I'm about to destabilize you with two words. The swan. Now, for most of you, this means nothing. A bird, maybe a ballet. But for some These two words have triggered a sense memory of an early 2000s reality TV show in which women would get head-to-toe makeovers, complete with cosmetic surgery, and then compete in a beauty pageant of the recently ugly. That was a real show. I have not forgotten about it. And I have a lot of feelings. Luckily for all of us. I got to sit down with writer and comedian Ashley Ray on her podcast to share those feelings and to talk about TV, both old and new. We'll have a new episode of Past Perfect next week. Ashley's going to join us in a little trivia fun. But in the meantime, here's my chat with her on TV I Say with Ashley Ray.
1: Brothers and sisters, yes hmm I would say it's like the precursor to this is us or it's just sure. a nice little white family doing stuff <laughs> yeah
0: brothers and sisters, Parenthood, this is us that's the Pokemon of all those are all
1: the same shows <laughs> basically <laughs> a different yeah. ta- the same show in different fonts basically. <laughs> Welcome to TV I Say with Ashley Ray, your go-to podcast for discovering what to watch on TV and getting behind-the-scenes insight from the people who who do what? Oh, you know, they, who make the shows you love. You just heard a little tease of my chat with Simone Polanin. This is such a good episode because we talk about so many shows that we love in high school. And shows from high school that you probably forgot about. Do you remember The Swan? Do you remember A Shot at Love with Tila Tequila? We're getting into everything we loved in high school and the shows that made us the weird people we are. Because if you grew up watching America's Next Top Model, Tyra Banks, she had an impact on you. I know she did. So let's get into it. Simone Palanin, welcome to TV Club. I- I'm you, so glad you. you're here. I'm really excited for this episode. Before we dive in, do you want to tell us a little about yourself and your podcast, Not Past It?
0: Yes. Hello. Yes. So you said my name. I'm Simone Palanin. I host a history podcast called Not Past It, and I also host a new trivia show called Past Perfect. Um, so for folks who... Like to dive into pop culture history and just general knowledge factoids. Check out Past Perfect; it's a good time. Yeah,
1: well, what are you? What is the trivia? What are you doing over there?
0: Um, so. The way I've been describing it is it's like the magic school bus, but for adults, Um, we do like time traveling through the decades. We've got this like five episode miniseries airing right now where each episode touches on a different decade. So we start in the 80s, go through the 90s up to the 2010s. And, you know, we're asking people like, hey, complete the lyrics to this Panic at the Disco song <laughs> or like, you know, uh, what came first, Nintendo's Game Boy or the Slap Bracelet? <laughs> so, you know, just like the really important things in life.
1: I mean, I would guess a Slap Bracelet, but I mean, you wouldn't be asking if it was that easy. So I'm going to go Game Boy.
0: Well, <laughs> got to listen to the episode of finally. Just going to listen
1: specifically for that answer. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us here at TV Club. There are just, I feel like, so many things in television history and in the past that I'm not over. And I just really like TV history is so long. I'm so curious. Are there TV moments that resonate with you?
0: Well, maybe this is just because we've been working on our 2000s episode, but I feel like my brain has been in that like little archive of 2000s reality TV. (laughs) Because there's a lot, there's a lot of, like, little peripheral, weird little shows that I feel like we have erased (laughs) from our collective memory. Yeah,
1: some for good reason, like Kid Nation or Black and White. Oh, my God. Where they had the family dressed in blackface and they had the black family trying to be white. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I actually did talk about that show kind of recently with someone. yeah. Kid Nation, I forgot about. That was like, we're going to send all these 11-year-olds into the wilderness <laughs> yeah. and they're going to, like an abandoned ghost town and they're going to start a society. And they're going to
1: start their own society. And I actually had a friend who was on Whoa. it. Uh, he's, he's an actor now.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. That's uh, that's something we're going to have to open up. Like I We mean, need the oral history of kidnation truly, at some point. And I know
1: the AV Club uh, did like a brief history of it. Like they talked to producers, but it was mostly talking about how like kids were drinking bleach and like children straight up almost <gasps> died on the show.
0: What were the laws at the time that like allowed for that show? Oh, my god.
1: I can't believe no one at CBS Legal was like, guys, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We cannot put a bunch of kids in a desert and then just like film it and stand by.
0: Uh, for me the the 2000s show that I will let nobody forget is The Swan. Ugh. Okay, thank you. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm so the look of recognition yes. means so much to me because people look at me crazy. But yeah, The Swan was this, like, basically a plastic surgery beauty pageant. So women would... You know, it was all morning, yeah, of, of course, course, of course. Women would, I guess, apply to the show and they would be like, I want these 13 plastic surgery procedures. And then at the end, they, like, had a beauty pageant with all of the contestants to see, like, who <laughs> who had the best glow Yeah, up.
1: who was the best swan.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, like... I was in middle school when that show came out, and I went back recently to be like, okay, was this like a fever dream? Of course, the women, like totally normal looking women. Yeah.
1: They were all just like fine women who were like, I don't know, I guess like since 16, like I wanted a nose job. And instead, the show is like, your whole yeah. face and body needs to be cut up. And like, also, all I could think is like, it was like early 2000s plastic surgery. Like, this isn't what the yeah. celebs are getting today. This was like, I was just like, yeah. I don't really <laughs> trust what we ha- like our level of technology right now to really get this right.
0: Yeah. I
1: really am curious what those women are like today.
0: Oh, another oral history that needs to be done. <sighs> Absolutely. A lot of spherical breast implants. I feel like that's what I remember. Perfect spheres, perfect
1: spheres that were high and hard. And that was the look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, have you been watching Dark Side of the 2000s on Vice?
0: No, I haven't. But that sounds right up my alley. There's lots of dark stuff to explore, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: And I mean, honestly, I thought it could have been darker. Like, I don't know. They were kind of like, oh, the dark side of the 2000s. Do you guys remember TRL? And I was like, I mean, yeah, that was fine. That
0: was one of the better parts of the 2000s. Wait, what's dark about TRL? I
1: guess they were just like, kids would get really intense outside. Like, the kids would really get intense. And they would, like, fight to be there as soon as Beyonce walked in. And I was just like, I think kids would do that today. Like, if you told kids. Yeah, that's normal. Yeah, if you were like, Beyonce's going to be in Times Square in a building, people would just start fighting outside even now.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: They also did a dark side ep on The Bachelor, which that one was dark. I mean... Okay, sure. Yeah, that was always one of those dark reality shows. But I was like, come on, how are you not doing like Flavor of Love or uh, Rock of Love? Yeah. Like, those were the dark ones. Tila Tequila? Seriously. Give me the history on a...
0: That is... That's actually scary. I'm actually scared of and for Tila Tequila.
1: <laughs> I re-watched A Shot at Love, like, during COVID. It does not hold up and it is really oh, truly you watch and you're like, how did what how did society get to a place where they were like, This is okay?
0: Well, it's weird, right? Cause at the time it was kind of like, this is progressive because bisexuality. Of bisexuality. And so it was like, girls and boys, guys. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the twist. But it was just I mean, what? It was just people being like drunk and fully exploited yeah. for entertainment.
1: More than the average dating show. And then occasionally they'd just be like, okay, we're going to have the girls do a cooking competition to see if they can keep Tila happy in the kitchen, and the boys are going to do push-ups. And you can just be like,
0: oh. Oh, wow. Nice nice." Okay, yeah,
1: love it. I loved just gender roles of the early 2000s, just the best that we had. I'm so curious, you know, I feel like for me, that was a time period when I was defining my TV taste. Like, the early 2000s, that's when I Mm. fell in love with shows like Grey's Anatomy, Sex and the City. That's when I would, like... I Shows I still watch to this day, <laughs> Grey's Anatomy, and in just like that, still watch to this day. What were you watching back then? What were your favorite shows in high school?
0: I was definitely on that Grey's Anatomy train, uh, was watching Lost with the rest of the nation. <laughs> I was really into, ooh, really into Desperate Housewives. That oh, was yeah. like big show for me. Yeah,
1: I love Desperate Housewives. And I, I it's really wild how much I forget about it, honestly, now sometime.
0: That was back when people had fun on TV. Right? Like I rewatched some of it and I'm
1: like it's just so silly.
0: <laughs> it's so campy, it's so fun. It's TV that doesn't take itself seriously. And I um how do I say this? Love a love a story about an unhinged woman and it's even better if it's a cast of unhinged women. Um, There's something very comforting about that to me. Yeah. So I feel like in the scripted world, that's, you know, all these dramas, brothers and sisters.
1: Oh, brothers and sisters. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's another one I almost forgot about. I would say it's like the precursor to This Is Us. Or it's just a nice little white family doing stuff. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Brothers and sisters, parenthood. This is us. That's the Pokemon of all. Those are all the
1: same shows, basically. In different yeah. t- the same show in different fonts, basically.
0: Yeah, but obviously, I was also hugely in the reality world. American Idol, of course. Extreme Makeover: Home Edition, The Biggest Loser, yeah. like nice, nice, damaging to the psyche <laughs> entertainment. America's Next Top Model. Oh, I was
1: obsessed. Yeah, America's Next Top Model. I I watched that show so mm-hmm. much. I was like, I could be a model. I've learned a lot from Tyra. I know my poses. Like, come on, girls, get it together.
0: I smile. I would practice my smize in the mirror just in case Tyra called me up <laughs> one day.
1: <laughs> I knew it was gonna happen for me. I was like, someday. i I like. I had no. I had no idea how casting actually works. I'm like, someday, I'm just getting a call. It's gonna be Tyra. She's mm-hmm. be like it's your time, Ashley. I looked at your MySpace. I <laughs> Hello, know you- <laughs> it's
0: me, Tyra Banks.
1: I saw your MySpace <laughs> and I know it's I know you're a star.
0: <laughs> I would just
1: watch these challenges and be like, Oh yeah, I could totally like hit my walk while they're throwing bottles of water at me and like the runway is on fire and Tyra Banks is just yelling at me. <laughs> like- they yeah. just tortured those girls. It was the best TV.
0: And wild that they were like, and this is what you can definitely expect from the fashion industry.
1: But if they brought it back, I would watch. I If they did a Project Runway, like or <laughs> they did do a Project Runway All-Stars, which I am watching. <laughs> but if they did America's Next Top Model All-Stars, like the real Ooh. big names and like did it, I would be so into that.
0: Okay. Dreamcast. What is Ooh. your Dreamcast for <laughs> <laughs> ANTM All-Stars?
1: Okay. Ooh, this is such a good question. I would probably have to go Lisa. Yes. The, the girl who like mm-hmm. only won on a technicality. I would probably want to get Kenya. Kenya and Yaya, I always thought were so powerful. Hell yeah. Uh, it would be good to get like a Eva Pigford in there because she can be like, I'm actually famous. Like, <laughs> And I know that would mm-hmm. cause a lot of drama. Oh, there was that one. I always forget her name. It was like Naya or something.
0: Is it Naima? Yes, Naima.
1: With the mohawk? With the mohawk. Yes. I still follow her on yes. Instagram. I think she's so cool. And she looks exactly the same. And I think now she's like really found herself. And if she came back, she she could love dominate that. the game. And then the messy people. I would want some messy people that I love. Oh, who was that girl who was like legally blind and she just like would fight with everyone? Amanda?
0: Oh yeah, yes, Amanda. <laughs> I'm Good memory. I remember
1: that. Wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, I yeah, I really think they should bring that back. Uh, Project Runway was another one that I got really into back then. Fell off. It mm-hmm. has been on the air this whole time, though.
0: So I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I,
1: did you ever get into that one?
0: I d- was into it, back, yeah, and like back when, like Christian Siriano was competing on it, you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. no, I was really into, like, um, in fashion, one day you're in, the next day you're out. And, like, would say that all the time yeah. <laughs> in the middle <laughs> of class. Make a work.
1: Now Christian Siriano is the Tim Gunn. He's the Tim Gunn in the new oh. episodes. So it's actually kind of good.
0: Does he have a catchphrase?
1: Not really. His whole thing is that he kind of just, like, goes around and makes fun of them a lot. Like, he'll just be like, what is this ugly piece okay. of shit on your mannequin? <laughs> and they're like, really? And he's like, it's okay, I guess. Whatever, maybe the judges will like it, but I don't. And it's kind of great.
0: People need to be mean again, I think, <laughs> on, on TV. <laughs> Honestly, if I feel like people used
1: to be mean, and now it's, it's. I mean, the yeah. Ted Lassofication of television, as we all call it, right? Everybody's nice. <laughs>
0: That's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) I also think because social media, people will respond with their opinions. They will come
1: for you. And I think we see that with like uh, Love is Blind. The last season had a girl who was so mean, Irina. And she was just so mean. You could tell she wanted to be the reality TV villain. And then she realized the consequences of that when the Internet just like came for her and was like, you're the cruelest person in the world. And she immediately backtracked and was like, I did not mean it. I've grown. Oh, my God. Uh, Were you into that show?
0: Oh, so into Love is Blind.
1: Did you do After the Altar?
0: Not all of the, I feel like I did some, but not all of, yeah. It was weird and boring. Like, why were we
1: watching them play flag football? I was just like, I don't think this is your real lives.
0: Well, yeah, that, and you're like, okay, they're married, the story's over. Like, let's move on to the next fresh batch of singles, sexy singles from Atlanta. (laughs) you're locking
1: in a pod and forcing to drink a bottle of tequila and fall in love. Please, I'm ready for the next season. Uh, I did love, like, Raven and SK. Because they had so much drama afterwards oh, that for that one, I was like, yeah. okay, yes, we need, a t- we need this info.
0: Well, that's, I feel like that was an interesting phenomenon of like, you're not going to get the full story if you just watch the show. Like, there was this whole, like, if you just watched, like, what Netflix was presenting to you, you're like, oh, Raven <laughs> and SK, like, have a beautiful relationship. I'm so happy for them. They're
1: making it work long distance.
0: Yeah. And meanwhile, he's like, what, taking other girls on vacation, right? He was like, oh, he
1: had like dating other people, taking other girls out. It was horrible. I'm curious, like when it comes to reality shows like that, Night Day Fiance, I am a purist in that I will only watch the show. Like I will get the information mm. from the show, from the tell alls. And then I have friends who are like, well, don't you just like look at her TikTok? She's talking about this. Like, if you look at her Instagram, they're not together. And I'm just like, I don't want spoilers like
0: that. (laughs) Like, Oh, interesting. Uh, You know, I think in some ways I'm the same way, but it's more from like, uh, there's only so much content I could shove into my brain and I'm pretty much at capacity right now.
1: And most of the time it's just like stuff that is, I don't know, kind of like doesn't make sense or is wild. I'm like, if it was interesting, they will put it in the show.
0: Yeah. That being said... It is really hard to engage with the internet and not come across like, you'll get a little whiff of like, oh, Raven posted a TikTok. And for me, I get a whiff and I'm like, all right, I'll just dedicate the rest of my 48 hours to this. And then you're like, okay, so there's a whole there's like the director's uncut version like happening on social media right now.
1: This is the joy of reality TV. I say. So I'm just, I'm so into the TV I'm, that I am just baffled by right now. I want to hear your watch list. What are you currently watching?
0: Okay, what is on my watch list? I am currently deep, deep into, and just like that, ah, uh,
1: of course, yeah, which I
0: know is like the show of the moment, it's the
1: year, the season, uh, our lifetimes,
0: <laughs> our lifetime, maybe. You're like
1: truly the fifth guest in a row who we've had who's like and just like that. And this is across demographics, genders.
0: It has That's, brought
1: everyone together.
0: Okay. It is so good. Well, there's nothing else good on TV, sorry to say. <laughs> also like, that also There's only one good show on right now. <laughs>
1: also that the with the strike, it there wasn't a lot of competition going up with and just like that. But I did feel like the second season was better than the first.
0: It is. It's like a kind of a beautiful evolution. So I'm I'm a few episodes. I'm not quite done with the oh, second you're season. You're so lucky. So I, I've got a little bit left. I'm really trying to savor. I just passed the um, Miranda threesome episode.
1: Oh, I really had almost forgotten about that. Almost freed myself. Well, there's so
0: much else that happens. I'm so obsessed with that show. The way I've been describing it to people is it's like Schoolhouse Rock but for wealthy older white women to help them understand society today. Yeah,
1: that is basically how I would describe it. I mean, it truly is just like, hey, are you like a 50-year-old woman who wants to kind of understand pronouns? We got you.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let
1: me introduce you to a little person named Che Diaz.
0: Oh, (laughs) Thank God for Che Diaz. Let me just say. Finally,
1: someone who gets it. Finally, someone who's on Team Che with me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Team Che. What? Okay. What an audacious character, I have to say. Like, the way that they move through the world is truly insane. Also, to be so whack, to be so whack at. Comedy, to be so whack at relationships.
1: Podcasting, they failed at that. And
0: yet so confident. Like so funny, too, that podcasting is the new publishing. Yeah. (laughs) And that they're like, this is the hip New York job. It's podcast, (laughs) you know? And they pay their rent with it for
1: sure, because it makes so much money. (laughs) And it's like, so many shows have done that. Uh, I don't know if you watched uh, Everything is Trash in that show. Like, the two main girls were podcasters. I, I think I was the only person who watched it, but it was, it was, you know, it was on free form, which people don't even know how to watch. So but I was just like, oh, this is truly like the new job that Hollywood thinks all of the 20 something, 30 something cool kids do is just podcasting.
0: Which is an interesting, I don't know, as somebody who works in podcasts. Yeah, I guess it's
1: two cool 30 somethings with podcasts, maybe.
0: Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, it's the coolest 30 year old in New York right now. I have to say it feels pretty accurate.
1: You know, I mean, my podcast has lasted longer than Carrie's did. So
0: (sighs) hey, there you go. Oh, yeah. Also traumatizing to be like recently laid off from your podcasting job and be like (laughs) watching a show that's like the podcast industry is in the trash. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, that's why I'm watching this at two p.m. on a Wednesday.
1: That's why I'm. Watching, please don't don't remind me of that. I want Carrie to to be successful all the time, and I don't want to have to think about how she pays for those shoes or that apartment yeah. next to Gramercy Gramercy Park. I don't want to think about that. <laughs>
0: How much money did Big make? That's what, what okay, is okay you know what did he leave yeah, behind? Exactly. I think
1: that's the, they need to make a bigger deal. She made a cute yeah, penny. They need to make a bigger deal out of her being like a rich black widow. And let's be real. She kind of killed yeah. him because she didn't even try to call 911. She just like, she let him sit there, <laughs> held him for a long time. I feel like I would have immediately grabbed the phone the second I see him on the floor. But Carrie decided to wait a moment.
0: I know, but then we wouldn't have gotten that gorgeous, dramatic moment of them being in the shower <laughs> together. And being clothed in the shower is one of the most beautiful images you can true, commit to film. True.
1: What else are you watching?
0: I I did recently watch Telemarketers on HBO, oh, which I was really into.
1: I loved it. Oh my god! I yeah, they're my heroes. They're my t- new heroes. What was your What was your favorite part about it?
0: For me, it was just the world. Like, the world of telemarketing is so interesting. And, like, there is this whole, like, investigative piece to the show where they're like, what's going on with telemarketing and who's behind this? And, like, that's pretty interesting. But I think the real magic of the show is, like, telemarketing company, like, they are employing high school students and, like, formerly incarcerated people or, like, people who would otherwise have a hard time getting jobs anywhere else And it makes for one of the most unique and chaotic work environments. And, like, that world, you get to sort of be immersed in that world of just, like, really off-the-wall people coming together and, like, building a community. and
1: working in an office where, like, you're allowed to smoke cigarettes and... Just
0: You're allowed to, to do, do heroin? heroin?
1: Just like, just yeah, excuse cigarettes. me,
0: cigarettes. They're just like snorting
1: lines actually like right off of their keyboards and then picking the phones up and going, yeah. I'm calling on behalf of the police union. You want to give us money? It was so yeah. good. I thought it was so great because it was unlike really any documentary I've seen before because you can tell it has that gorilla like DIY feeling to it. Like these aren't people mm-hmm. who went to school and learned how to make a documentary. <laughs> Like, so much of it is them just, is that guy just being like, and then for four months, I couldn't find Pat, and I didn't know if he died of an overdose or was just like living in a trailer somewhere. So I had to go find him. And yeah. it's amazing.
0: I really appreciate it when a documentary is made by somebody who is in the world and it's not like an outsider coming in, but it's, I don't know, you know, it, feel, it feels like it's it's grown from this like organic curiosity about like, oh, I want to capture like, Th- this life that I'm living and this world that I'm in. And again, it's like, you're not going to find better characters than like people hanging out at their telemarketing job. Right?
1: Especially when it's like, oh yeah, it's high school dropouts and people who have a criminal record and couldn't get another job. That is the dream, just mm-hmm. employee lineup right there.
0: I also love the fact that Danny McBride is a yes. producer because it makes me feel like they're going to do a fictionalized version Which of I this. Need. And I'm like, there's so much, there's so much to mine in this world.
1: And Danny McBride is the person to bring that to life.
0: It's very, you know what? He's mullet coded. <laughs> the show was mullet coded. Yes. It's like mullet energy. I love that. Yeah, you know what I mean when I say oh, that.
1: Oh, oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I say that with Lo- abs- love, admiration. I think he would define his own work that way as just like mullet inspired. Mm-hmm. Like that is the genre. <laughs> I righteous gemstones, eastbound and down. I yeah.
0: Yeah, mullet core, sure. Yeah.
1: So I need him to do a live action. I, I feel like he could play Pat. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, I bet. I bet he produced it because he was like, I need to play this man. I need to play the guy that shoots up in the bathroom, is nodding off at the phone, and then when somebody answers, has the most gorgeous fake cop telemarketer voice, and then goes on a beautiful journey.
1: Uh, Are there any other documentaries you're excited about or watching? I feel like this has been a good year for documentaries. Uh, One of the, you know, positives sort of of the strike is that we saw a lot of money go into docs and a lot of them been coming out. Mm -hmm. I have been I really enjoyed uh, Never Let Him Go. That just came out on uh, Hulu. It's about this guy whose gay brother died in the 80s in Australia. Uh, He was found at the bottom of a cliff and the police immediately were like, it's suicide. It's suicide, and the family was like, "It he didn't mm-hmm. kill himself." And the cops are like, "You don't even know. You don't live here. You're from America. You don't even know his life." Uh, and for twenty years, the family just wouldn't give up. And the guys like helped found AOL, so he was a millionaire, and he had all this money to just like go to Australia oh. and keep pushing it until finally the cops were like, "Okay, we're gonna investigate." And then, like two months later, they're like, oh wait, you were totally right. There were these guys who were going around killing gay men and pushing mm. them off of cliffs.
0: Oh my God. And it
1: opens up this whole thing. And it's really interesting because it's in this new genre of documentary that's been happening where people agree to do an interview for a pot for a documentary. And I think they think it's gonna make them look good. And then it makes them look awful like there was a little of that in telemarketers when they would interview some of the cops or higher up people and those people would try to just be like well Mm -hmm. you know we care but then you could tell they didn't really care but in this one they interview some of the cops who originally closed the case and they're just like well how was i supposed to know i was supposed to investigate what like it's it was my job to do that or something
0: (laughs) Oh, okay, And and, like
1: they're still ridiculing and making fun of the family all these years later, even when the family was right. And you're just like, why did you think this would make you look good? Why did you agree to do this on camera? Uh, B.S. High on HBO Max was another one that was great with that. Did you check that one out? It's about Bishop Sycamore. I
0: didn't. I'm a little true crime Phobic a little bit, so I don't I don't tend to delve into that world unless somebody's really like yeah, you. I, go I would say Bishop
1: Sycamore is good because it's not really true crime; it's more scam crime.
0: Oh, I'm all about fraudsters, yeah. It's, scammers it's this that, yeah. guy who
1: started his own school. Uh, <laughs> he started his own school because he wanted <laughs> to start a football program, and basically, like lied, started it, said he had a school, and there were facilities. There were not. He just had these kids living in hotels and, like, rental apartments he would get for three months and not pay the rent on. Uh, They would, like, go to a community college program for kids in juvenile detention. And then they would just, like, go play football. But he was not a football coach. So he didn't actually know how to coach them. And they would, like, get these horrible injuries, play badly. They lost (sighs) all of their games. And then finally it came out that this was not a real school. Like, somehow they kept failing upwards. Like, they they just kept trying to play bigger teams until it reached a point that they were on ESPN. And they have this big game on ESPN. Whoa. And the people calling the game are like, I don't think these kids have ever actually played football before. Like what is going on? What is this school? And as the game is happening, it starts going viral on Twitter where people are like, this is not a real school. It's fake. We're looking at all the paperwork. And basically all these kids like ended up not being able to go to college, not being able to like go to a JC school or JV team because they were in a fake program for like two years. But the guy who started the fake school agreed to do the documentary. He's, like, the truly the villain of the whole story. (sighs) And he agreed to do the documentary. And it is the most sociopathic stuff you will ever see, where he's truly just, like, do I look like I look like a bad guy? I don't want to look like I look like a bad guy. I'm a good guy. And then he just smiles, like, with the creepiest smile. That one is worth watching.
0: That is so interesting. And that is so – that makes me be like, oh, this is – This is just a man who needs to be seen at any any cost. cost. Uh, I'm very curious to check that out. What is his end game? Was it like, I'm going to make so much money. I'm going to build a gorgeous football program and make so much money. Yeah, He seemed to
1: really think they could pull this off. He was like, if we just work together... Like we got this guy's, like, we're gonna win some games and then we'll get the money. We're gonna be on ESPN. And once the money's in, like, then we'll have the house. He also made the kids take out uh PP the COVID loans, the PPO loans.
0: Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He
1: made these kids take them out in their names and then give him the money as like tuition. So now these kids are in debt. And he was just like, No, I was I was really gonna Damn. build a legit program. It was gonna be big. And even in the like like some of his coworkers who still believe in him are sitting right next to him in the interviews and they're looking at him like, oh, wait, he's full of shit. Like, oh, wait a second. I'm like just seeing it now that he's a liar. That's that's a wreck man, from my watch list. So, so check that one out.
0: <laughs> man, I'm trying to think. Like I said, I feel like my my viewing lately has been pretty light or I just end up returning to stuff. Like um, Seinfeld has has a big staple. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Basically, Larry David. (laughs) Larry David. If Larry David is on
1: my TV and I'm bored and I don't have anything to do, it's going to go on. Like, if Curb Your Enthusiasm is on, I'm watching Curb Your Enthusiasm.
0: It's so good. It's so, it's crazy how good it is. I say.
1: the only people who has ever sent a list of recentist shows you love that you feel like people aren't talking about enough. So I would love to talk about yes. those because it's an incredible list.
0: So I haven't been super in documentaries lately, but there are some comedies specifically yeah. that I love that I feel like are not getting enough shine. The first one is I Love That For You <sighs> on Showtime, which I I really have heard very little about, which is shocking to me because the cast is Stacked. stacked. You've got Jennifer Lewis. You've got Vanessa Bayer.
1: Molly Shannon.
0: Oh, Molly Shannon.
1: I, it is one of those shows where you're just like, how did they have the money for that over at Showtime? Like, is Showtime really balling like that, that they could afford all these people? Yeah. But I guess they couldn't because the show got canceled.
0: So, no. It yeah. Did. It was, Shit. Well, I didn't it know. It was on an extended
1: hiatus. I guess technically it's one of those situations where the second season was totally written. They were going to film it and mm-hmm. then it went on a permanent hiatus where they were like, we might bring it back, we might shop it to other networks, and then the strike happened, and we stopped hearing anything about it, and it seems like it's basically a cancellation.
0: It might might be dead. Damn, that's really sad.
1: Showtime said they had a new programming mandate, uh, and it is, we will only care about Yellow Jackets.
0: Okay, damn. They canceled so much good stuff. They canceled Flatbush Misdemeanors. Another show I feel like
1: not enough people talked about, and they canceled Z-Way, which was such a good show.
0: Oh, yeah. I got to also on um, I love that for you. I got to shout out Jessie Klein, who's the head yes. writer, who is so funny in everything that she does.
1: Absolutely obsessed with Jesse. I Klein. feel like
0: her voice really comes through on the show. And- I wanted
1: 10 seasons of it. It was truly one of those shows where I was like, oh, if Showtime was smart, they would put like Flatbush and I Love That For You together and it would be a comedy double block hit. But I'm not in charge of TV, yes, and they messed it up, and now we've lost two amazing shows
0: and we suffer we suffer for you not being <laughs> in every executive seat, Ashley. I we have do to say. really,
1: really there shouldn't even be an a and There should just be me. It should just be me, <laughs> and yeah. I give the writers everything they want, and then we make great stuff. <laughs> you also had the other two on your list,
0: oh, the other two, yes.
1: And it also got to end on its own terms. They decided to make it its final season, this last one. So a little happier.
0: Which is nice. Which, like, that's, I feel like you sense that in the writing. Like, it it feels, like, I feel like they could keep going and keep making a beautiful show. But I feel like choosing, when you get to choose to put your show to bed, like, that's better for everyone involved. Another great Molly Shannon performance.
1: Yeah. She's probably my favorite part of it. I really love Pat.
0: (laughs) And the way they use her is so smart. And the evolution that they give her like across the different seasons from this like Midwest mom to basically like entertainment mogul (laughs) is so funny. And I love I love how they play, how the writers play with like The main storyline, you've got the main two siblings, the main characters. and then, But your peripheral characters are also going through this like, you know, their worlds are changing and you're watching it all happen. But it's all happening in the background, but it's still connected to the main storylines. And so it feels like this really full and satisfying world. And like, I feel like they're very careful about like, even though it's like silly, goofy and like, you know, lol funny. They're still it feels like they're very meticulous about the different threads and the different characters and making sure that everybody is like fleshed out and has their own stakes. Oh, it's just such a satisfying watch. Yeah. And I feel like also a show you can watch over and over again.
1: Absolutely. And I I thought it would get nominated for an Emmy. This last season was so funny, but you know, I think it did get a writing nomination it, and it deserves it. It is my favorite written comedy. And it was sad to hear afterwards about like the abuse of that writer's room. And I guess how horrible the showrunners were oh, and just like very like,
0: I didn't oh, I yeah, know they
1: were that. really big bullies. They were so apparently they were it, it came out in the Hollywood Reporter after. But apparently they were so evil. Even Tina Fey, Tina oh, Fey no. came out and made a joke that was like and we all know the people who survived the other two writers room like who they really had to go through stuff and i was like if tina fey is saying your room is tough that is a t- how tina fey is calling you mean
0: <laughs> wow i totally missed this part oh of yeah it came it came
1: out like the same week as the finale so i think people just kind of didn't really care cuz it was like well the show's not coming back anyway so what are we going to do
0: after i complimented the writing <laughs> I'm like,
1: <laughs> that kind of terror is what makes yeah, jokes happen. I don't know. but
0: <laughs> Take what I had to say with a grain of yeah, salt.
1: It's a still funny show. Funny, funny show. But we don't approve of the making. But but funny, funny show.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and you also had Southside and Dave on your list. Two shows I also love.
0: Oh, j'adore, j'adore. Okay. Southside... A cancellation that sent oh. me into a full-on rage because I was like, name one thing that's as imaginative, creative, and affirming it. as this show, and like, again, another great world, like set in this like, uh, basically rental furniture store where you like rent your furniture by the week. Great characters, and like, yeah, just like a full, a full world. I also love a show where, like, nobody's really the good guy. Like, everyone's kind of messed up in their own <laughs> unique ways. And I feel like that's a show where, like, there's no real, like, good guy. There's definitely people, like, trying to be good guys and people trying to live good <laughs> lives. But, you know, it's like shenanigans. The show, it's It's shenanigans. And that is something that I really appreciate as a viewer Same. in a half-hour comedy. Yeah,
1: it's just silly and funny and... Yeah, it was like my favorite just episodic where you were like, I don't need to even watch like last week's. Episode. Like You can just jump in and just start laughing. Mm-hmm. It is so funny.
0: And they really push the world.
1: Yeah. You really did kind of choose like a, a graveyard of shows here.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's available still as of yeah. right now. As of right so now. Be- get it while yeah, you can, before I guess. Max
1: takes it down forever because that's what they do now. Watch it while you can. Uh, and we still have Dave. Dave still exists. Uh, it'll we probably get another season. The last one did pretty well, and they had Brad Pitt. You can't cancel a show after Brad Pitt does it.
0: Yeah. It's, I think that's the law mm, yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Dave is so interesting, because going into it, I was like, you're telling me this is a navel-gazy show about a white rapper talking about the music industry, and like it's a fictionalized version of this guy's life? Couldn't have described a less interesting show to me, but smart people make this show. They again, it's all about this world building. It's like such a unique world. It's from the perspective of this person. I think there's like, you know, adequate self awareness and kind of like self deprecation and self checking going on. So it's like, you're like, oh, okay, this is like a kind of self aware, not aware person. Yeah. Like, that's that's a very interesting dynamic. I guess I'm just a silly girl who loves silly shows because I'm like again very silly, very goofy at times. But I think more than any of the shows we talked about, really dives into like some emotional earnestness. Like there there are some moments where they're really just playing it straight for dramatic effect too. So it's like you don't quite know what to expect, which is like makes it an interesting watch because you're like. It's it's tonally all over the place, but not in a bad way. Like, I think they're actually quite good about like modulating
1: and having it centered in the right characters. I think people think Mm -hmm. it's really focused on Dave. And then you watch and you're like, Dave is really like secondary to everything going on in this show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it is like, you know, I think especially as fame becomes more and more accessible for people, it is an interesting thing to explore. like what. I don't know, just success, pressure, fail. like, you know, not new topics to be ex- explored in entertainment, but still held my attention.
1: I loved it. That was when I watched every single week. And I want the people to to get into it because I I want another season. Uh, and our, our good friend of the podcast, Niles Abston, writes for it. So oh, nice. go check it out. And I feel like you just gave people such a great watch list. Like, I mean, pff, that's what people go watch these shows.
0: Big recommend. Good times ahead. Yeah.
1: Simone, I want to thank you so much for joining me. This was so much fun. Thank you. Listeners, if you want to support the actors, the writers, you can come to a picket line in L.A. or New York. Come drop off food. Uh, So you can donate money to the Entertainment Community Fund, which helps non-actor Hollywood crew members who suffer hardships due to the strike. You can donate at entertainmentcommunity.org and make sure to direct your gift to the film and television category when asked. Simone, any plugs? Where can the people find you? Where can they listen to these pods? Probably wherever they listen to podcasts, I would imagine.
0: Um, pretty yeah, you've heard that line before, haven't you? Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can find past perfect wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find not past it actually only on Spotify right now, so that one's a little different. And you can find me on social media, Instagram at Simone Polanin.
1: TV Club. Thanks for listening. You know, like I said, make sure you're caught up on Below Deck because Below Below Deck Matt is back. Uh, And then I am actually going to ask you to to get into some 90 Day Fiancé stuff because the 10th season of 90 Day Fiancé is premiering and they have invited yours truly to the 10th season 90 day fiance party where i will get to meet so many of my heroes from 90 day fiance so i obviously i'm just going to have to talk about this on this podcast for a, a very long time so i that's what you that's your homework thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week with another episode <laughs>
0: tv I say with ashley ray another episode another- so,
1: TV I Say TV with I Ashley Ray is an Earwolf say. production made by me, Ashley Ray Harris. It's engineered by Abby Aguilar, produced by Anita Flores, executive produced by Amelia Chapelo and our original theme song is by Rafia. It means so much to me if you go rate, review, subscribe, follow TV I Say. Let us know what you think and tell your friends, share with your golden girls, tell your boys. If you love my TV recommendations, let everyone you know know. For special TV club members, join my Patreon.